Hello, everybody. What is up, everything? It's Jessica Burbank here on Indisputable, filling in for Dr. Richie. And I'm joined by Rick Strong. We have a good show ahead of you. Rick, how are you doing? Hello, Jessica. I'm doing great. You know, I got to say, I was getting ready, I was brushing my teeth, I opened up TikTok, and I was inspired to do cardio after you came up on my For You page. Because I don't know if everybody knows this, Jessica Burbank is 1 and 0. When she it's ran true. away from the cops. It's true. So now I'm gonna get my ass on the Peloton and I'm gonna do that later. So thank you. Being faster than the cops is the only reason to do cardio, really. <laughs> uh, I did outrun an NYPD officer in 2014. It's a true story. Thanks, <laughs> Rick. Are you. you ready to get into some news? We do have some cops to talk about today. Alrighty. All right, let's get into this first story. So on Thursday, the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th insurrection has subpoenaed testimony from Donald Trump. They voted nine to zero to subpoena this testimony. Hearing of the news of the subpoena, Trump of course took to Truth Social. He posted, why didn't this unselect committee testify? Unselect. <laughs> Banger there, asked me to testify months ago. Why did they wait until the very end, the final moments of their last meeting? Because the committee is a total bust that has only served to further divide our country, which by the way, is doing very badly. A laughing stock all over the world, question mark? The unselect committee is a giant scam presided over by a group of radical left losers. I'm not sure I would call Cheney a member of the radical left, but let's keep going. And two failed Republicans, there it is, okay. The likes of which our country has rarely seen before make America great again. So sources that are close to Donald Trump indicated that he will only comply with the subpoena under specific circumstances. Of course. This is Maggie Haberman with the New York Times. Since it became public that the House Select Committee planned to subpoena Trump for his testimony, the former president has been telling aides he favors doing so, so long as he gets to do so live, according to a person familiar with his discussions. However, it is unclear whether the committee would accept such a demand. Fox News has sources that echoed this as well. They reported, uh, this was a source that told Fox News Digital this, that it is unclear at this point if Trump will actually testify before the committee, but stressed that Trump loves the idea. The source said that if Trump complied with the subpoena and testified, he would talk about how corrupt the election was, how corrupt the committee was, and how Nancy Pelosi did not call up the National Guard, that Trump strongly recommended her to do so three days earlier on January 3rd, 2021. We all saw the video of Nancy on the phone yesterday. So that's a little bit wild of him to say. Uh, Rick, what do you think? Should they comply with this demand? Just let this guy testify live? No, I think this is a terrible idea. Um, let, let's go over this inhumane person's track record. Um, he lies through his teeth. Um, he, he lies so much that there was a book written by Rick Riley about Trump's golf courses. And basically, Rick Riley painted the picture and fact checked, of course, because he's a sports journalist, that everything Trump did with his golf courses and the way that he built them up and the, the PR that he spun, it was all a lie. 
everything was a lie. It's like breathing, it's second nature to him. The problem I have is it's rich hearing from Donald Trump, him saying that the unselect committee, <laughs> the unselect committee is scammy. Like, dude, dude, you cost taxpayers, at least in the beginning of 2021, middle of 2021. By the Washington Post count, over $500 million. <laughs> you told people that you were gonna spend this money on your legal defense fund that you got from donations. And you put it in your war chest for then your next reelection campaign. There is no bigger scam artist on the face of the earth, aside from maybe the Tindler Swindler than Donald Trump. Okay? Like this is just what he does. So now to go back to something really quickly, like do I think it's a good idea? No, because he is going to echo the lie. He's going to talk over people left and right. If they mute his microphone, it's like, oh, see, they're muzzling us, they're muzzling Republicans. No, it's an awful idea. Just follow the procedure, follow the protocol that you guys have laid, put forth already and just whoops, execute the game plan. Yeah, absolutely. What's crazy is yesterday we heard all kinds of stuff, right? We heard Roger Stone again taking the fifth, but all of the people who testified were aides, people who were close with Trump, people who campaigned for Donald Trump. These are people who were in his corner. So what is he gonna go in front of the committee and say? I mean, my thinking is he would likely try to inspire another insurrection, in which case why give the guy live microphone? It's just an awful idea and they should subpoena him to testify absolutely not live at all. And what does it show that someone like Roger Stone is taking the fifth? These guys know that what they've done is criminal. Roger Stone yes. is one of the few guys that's facing criminal charges for this. I don't know, do you think he's he would take the mic and try to incite another insurrection? Like I think that's probably the biggest concern. I think any terrible thought that anybody has is within the realm of possibility. <laughs> That's how I feel about this. Like you are talking about the central player in feeding so much BS to people over the years. So much bigotry, so much hatred, so much lack of faith in our public institutions. And look, we can critique here and there, but to go after voting machines. And we're seeing the same playbook being run in Brazil with Jair Bolsonaro against Lula. Um, by the way, RIP Michael Brooks, because he is the absolute truth. Um, but like to see this fear play out and then to see them do what they did, yeah, I, I would say it's totally within the realm of possibility. But I don't think any of this is going to happen. I think he's playing the strongman argument of like, I'm gonna do it, but under this one stipulation which they haven't done yet. So why would they make an exception for him, that guy? But what is likely to happen is Democrats are gonna lose in the midterms. I mean, it's up for debate, but let's just say hypothetically they lose because that's usually how it goes. They lose in the midterms, the unselect committee is no more. And then Trump could say, see, I wanted to do it, I wanted to do it. That's probably what's gonna play out. What's crazy is we have information that was presented. This was the little bit of new evidence we got yesterday, along with some new videos, Nancy Pelosi on the phone, which I think we'll get to. But all of the evidence that showed the Secret Service was well aware of what was going down. The FBI was tipped off. Donald Trump knew what was going to happen. 
And the Secret Service didn't even turn over all of their text messages. They were like, you know what, we do routine deletes, that's not all there. It's just, you know, part of what we do, we just get rid of messages. There's a million emails missing that the Secret Service had. And Donald Trump is trying to say, I told Nancy Pelosi to call the National Guard. <laughs> you were the sitting president. Nancy Pelosi's the Speaker of the House. She was on the phone like, I don't even know whose jurisdiction this would be calling the mayor, calling people in neighboring states, the governor of Virginia. She was not in a position to call the National Guard into DC. Donald Trump was, if you wanted the National Guard there, you would have called them. But the Nancy Pelosi phone call, my favorite part, is when she says, you know what? I wanna punch him in the face and I'd go to jail and I would be happy. That was the, the best line from Nancy Pelosi I think we'll ever get out of her. You know, my favorite part was seeing Republican leadership lie once again. When they said in front of the media, in front of everybody, hey, you know, it was Nancy Pelosi's fault that they didn't call the National Guard. And why did she delay the National Guard? When in video, Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise were right next to her. They were right next to her. And she she was saving their ass, is what she was doing. But they continue to lie about it and they continue to lie about it. So uh, I, I truly don't believe anything is going to happen. I think this is a headline and pretty much nothing more. Yeah, the other thing about this and the last thing I'll say on this subject is that you know, Donald Trump was saying that Oh, you know, you press one button, it's supposed to go and cast a ballot for Trump, and then it casts the ballot for Biden. The voting machines were all messed up, 6,000 votes are missing in Michigan. And we saw evidence in the January 6th committee, and people that were filing these lawsuits for Donald Trump say that of the 62 filed, they lost 61. And moreover, the evidence that people told Donald Trump they had wasn't in the lawsuit because it wasn't there. So a lot of people were not tuned in to hear them go over that evidence. But I'm sure there are a lot of people that would tune in to Donald Trump testifying and they wouldn't get that side of the story, which I think is just another reason not to go live with it. Any last thoughts on this one, Rick, before we move on? Yeah, here's my last thought. A subpoena in this day and age means absolutely nothing. You know how I know? As a football fan, all right? Dan Snyder is involved, whether he wants to believe it or not, in a few investigations by the House Oversight Committee. What he did was he got on his mega yacht and went off the coast of a different country to avoid it. And last night I am watching the Bears, I'm just gonna say Washington football team because it sounds way better than the nickname they have. Um, and he's there. He's just chilling at the game in a box. He was subpoenaed like three and a half months ago. So um, seeing the ultra wealthy avoid subpoenas also ticks me off to none other. Yeah, absolutely. I love the elements of sports journalism we're getting here. Like sports journalists <laughs> actually fact check stories, which uh, they're maybe held to a higher standard than some other journalists. So at the Wisconsin Senate debate, Republican Ron Johnson on Thursday at Marquette University faced repeated laughter and boos from the audience. This was the final debate ahead of the Wisconsin Senate race where people will be casting a ballot either for Manella Barnes or the incumbent Ron Johnson who's been in office for two terms there. 
So some details about this race we'll get into, but first let's actually watch some highlights from the debate itself. When I first ran for office, I made two promises. I'll always tell you the truth and I'll never vote with my election or conduct myself with election in mind. I've honored those promises scrupulously. And while the senator wants to lie and distract and hide from his own record, and while he subscribes to the politics of division, what he doesn't realize is that each and every one of us in all 72 counties in this state has so much more in common with each other than we'll ever have with self-serving, out-of-touch politicians. The FBI set me up with a corrupt, with a corrupt briefing, and then leaked that to smear me. I am. He is referring to corruption with the FBI, which I've been trying to uncover and expose. All right. So, do we have time? The question that has to be answered is at what point does society have the responsibility to protect life? It's just that simple. And I've actually laid out a, a sample referendum ballot, and you can also find that at wistfacts.com. Okay. Lieutenant Governor Barnes? Well, the senator knows very well that the referendum won't happen with the legislature we have now. This is him trying to run away from his dangerous, out of touch, and extreme position. And when you take a position like that, there's so much that you don't always see. Let's talk about Texas as an example. There's a woman who had to be hooked up to a breathing machine because she had complications with her pregnancy and could not get an abortion. A 10 year old girl in Ohio was raped and had to cross state lines to get an abortion. That's Ron Johnson's America. And it's odd that you can make the argument about inflation and how costs are increasing, but not support raising the minimum wage. And it's also a shame that instead of making sure the wealthy pay their fair share, you'd rather give them tax deductions. Because that's not only how we make Social Security solvent, it's how we strengthen Social Security, making sure that the wealthy pay into this vital program. And look, the biggest achievement in business was Ron Johnson saying, I do. He married into his business. He didn't start that from the ground up. So after such a heated debate, the moderators asked these two candidates, what do you like about each other? Let's watch that. All right, we are down to one final question here. And both of you have said a lot tonight about each other. Now, when we traveled around the state talking with voters, we heard repeatedly from people tired of divisive politics and attack ads. So our final question here tonight is, both of you have been successful in life. You have 30 seconds here. Mr. Barnes, you go first. What do you find admirable about your opponent? Well, no, no, seriously, I do think, you know, the senator has proven to be a family man. And I think that's, that's admirable. Um, you know, that's absolutely to be respected. He, he speaks about his family. He's uh, done a lot to provide for them. I absolutely respect that. Mr. Johnson. I mean, likewise, I appreciate the fact that uh, Lieutenant Governor Barnes had loving parents, a school teacher, father worked third shift, so he had you know good upbringing. I guess what puzzles me about that is with that upbringing, why is he turned against America? I mean, why, why, why does he find the right. founding of America awful? It's, it's, it's Somehow, we, it puzzles we me. did not. I said Please we argue. said something admirable. He chose to be petty. He chose to be petty. He didn't have to, but he did. Uh, let's actually look at this polling. So despite Barnes' performance, polling shows that the lead over him continues to widen. Johnson's lead over Barnes back in August, Barnes was ahead. We've seen this polling flip with now Johnson ahead. 
And what's interesting here, Rick, and I'd love your views on this, is my thinking is Mandela Barnes during the primary and at the start of his campaign was vocally advocating for things like universal health care. He was a lot more progressive than he is today. And there's this idea within the Democratic Party that you've got to go to the center to get more votes. But it looks like that's not working out so good for Mandela Barnes, who's backpedaled on those progressive positions. That is correct. And we have seen it time and time again that when someone when someone goes in that direction and then they execute it, they're actually very popular, incredibly popular. Because what you're giving the voters is what they ask for and you're also helping them out instead of being like, oh, here comes another person that I just have to settle for the lesser of two evils. No, if you actually help out people, surprise, you know, you could stay in office longer than one term. You could get uh, not get beat out in a midterm election, et cetera, et cetera. So that's not really that surprising to me because it's just something that's been a staple for years and years. Now, what Mandela Barnes was talking about um, is Ron Johnson and the tax cuts that he gave to the ultra wealthy that not only benefited billionaires from saving a ton of money in taxes. And for anybody that's interested in this story, Google Ron Johnson ProPublica tax cuts. And you will see them lay it out with a trove of receipts on how he helped out the ultra wealthy. And if I may, just gonna name a few. Dick and Liz Uline of Packaging Giant, you guessed it, Uline. And Diane Hendricks, who is in roofing, they contributed $20 million backing Ron Johnson's 2016 reelection in 2018 alone. This is all via ProPublica, $215 million in deductions, that was one year. So when I'm looking at this, what I see is culture wars, um, anti, uh, I, I hate saying choice because it's not anti, I, I don't want to use their framing. Anti, uh, being anti-women, um, instilling hatred and fear at every turn, all because you, your son and your daughter get to purchase planes, which is what the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel wrote about this. So. You really have two choices. You could pick the guy who is a Trump staple that allegedly tried to install fake electors, or you could pick Mandela Barnes, who will look out for you way more than Ron Johnson would. Yeah, Mandela Barnes' performance in this debate really demonstrated he's the stronger candidate. Ron Johnson's performance was awful. But I think about the type of audience that goes in person to this kind of a debate. And I think about the type of person who would stream a debate like this. And it's not the average voter. And the side of Ron Johnson they get, I think you're exactly right, is him talking about culture wars on Fox News, on Newsmax. It's not the side of Ron Johnson where you have to stand up and tell the people what you're gonna do for them. What are your policy plans and what's your record? It's not there for him, but not a lot of people are paying attention to that. And so it's it's a bad hand for people like Mandela Barnes, but 
if Mandela Barnes was making the case out in his district doing good field organizing for things like universal health care and that would help everyday working people. I think that's our one option to get everyday working Americans over to vote for good candidates. The problem is that the Democratic Party I'm sure started pushing Mandela Barnes in the direction of the more mainstream establishment Democrat Party platform. And that's precisely why he is where he is today. I guess my last question yeah. um, to you is how do we bring like a candidate like Ron Johnson's record to the forefront where more voters know about this? Cuz like even like we're in yeah. California, we're in different parts of California. Um I feel like a lot of people in my district don't even know who they're voting for. <laughs> like there's one candidate who goes to, uh, let's say a church is not even a church. Um, and he will like go to them for power and people continue to vote for him and I don't even get it. So like how do you even bring this guy's atrocious track record to the mainstream so voters know about it? I love this question. Um, so I was a community organizer, right? The type of stuff where you go and talk to people in the community about what bothers them in the community. And you work with them, you get behind them and push to take action on the things that matter to them. That actually when people come together, you can stand up to power. Then when Bernie Sanders was running, I decided I would organize in an electoral campaign, something I said I would never do. But I learned a lot about how people use data and contact lists to reach voters. We all get those messages. You know, give Nancy Pelosi $15 to save abortion rights. What if we use those lists to just spread information to constituents of Ron Johnson? Text everybody in his district that we have a cell phone number for and say, hey, he took $20 million from this person and this person. Include the link to the article. We do text blasts when he's voting for tax cuts for the rich and tell people what the impact of the policy will be. Keep people informed about what their representatives are doing. I just don't understand why this hasn't been done before. We have all of the resources necessary to do it and it potentially could have a huge impact on how people vote and participate in politics. Good point. Not that people want more political text messages, but it's worth a try. <laughs> All right, we've got more for you on the other side. We'll be back after this. We are back on Indisputable, it's Jessica Burbank. I'm here with Rick Strom and we have a word about aspiration. So climate change is affecting all of us. We're reaching a point of no return. And like many issues in our society, this is something that affects communities of color, the black community and low income communities more than others. And we here at TYT really feel like we've got to do something about it. So you can donate to aspiration and you can really feel good about your money. Aspiration is something that is a service where you can track your spending. And so your deposits are fossil fuel free, unlike at banks. So you can confidently spend and save while doing your part to save the planet. You can go to aspiration.com slash TYT to sign up. And there's a QR code there that you can scan as well. All right, let's get into this. I wish a Karen would. What were you thinking about when you got pregnant that you were not going to work? I'm just curious because like I've had three kids. I worked up until the second day were born. But am I you? Are you me? Do you know how I feel? Do you know yeah, how I feel? that's why I'm asking. I'm interested to know what you think. I want to know your mindset. So when you got pregnant, what were you thinking about? I was, 
I was thinking about having a kid. I don't, I'm confused on where, where, you're, where you're going at. I'm confused too because you came in here and I did an assessment and I gave you my best medical advice. Uh huh. And okay. you didn't like that. But I said that I just wanted a note so I could take it easy these right. these next two months. And I'm I seven months pregnant and I'm in fraud. pain. We have it's not fraud. If it was, if it was fraud, the stuff. doctor wouldn't be getting me my note right now. Really? Yes. What I read on your chart isn't true. Okay. So I What's know on my fraud. chart that's not true? I read on your chart what isn't true because I'm the person who saw you and did the exam. Okay. So it's okay. So that TikTok went viral and that is a Philly nurse, Nurse Karen going off on a pregnant black woman. You can hear her say she is seven months pregnant and she just requested a doctor's note as she said she was in pain and there's more, let's watch. But do you, so, but how do you know how I feel? How do you know how my body feels inside? Cause I stuck my hand in there and checked your Okay, cervix. you checked my cervix, but how you know how my bones, how you know how my, my, my body feels, my legs, my back? How do you know how that feels? How you know how my nausea feels? How you know how my cramps feel? By such, and you're, and okay. All right, so this, this is, this is the nurse practitioner. And look how she's hitting me. Look how she, look at it. Check her out. Check it out. Call the police. And, and they're going to see how you just, how you just, what you just did. Call the police. She already called the police on me once. Cause I called her a weirdo. Yes. Look at you. This lady is. Crazy, call the cops again, call them. It's okay. Call them, I got you on video hitting me with that thing in your hand. Um, this? This is the Philly Pregnancy Center, guys. Yeah, okay, Jillian. So this video began moments after nurse Karen here called the police on this woman whose name is Jillian. So this is her photo, uh, crazy Karen alert, that's the nurse. She also swung a laptop case at Jillian. You can see her making some physical contact there, but that part was not in the photo. So let's get into the details of the background on this incident. In a story time video on TikTok, Jillian explained that she had gone to the doctor for a note to secure her maternity leave because she was experiencing pain. Jillian said the nurse gave her an aggressive, uncomfortable cervical exam, then proceeded to tell her she was fine to go to work Jillian is seven months pregnant. She explained to the nurse that she'd rather speak to her doctor and have them write her a note. So the nurse had the secretary call the doctor for her. After the nurse made a shady remark to Jillian, she called the nurse a weirdo and then the Karen called the cops. According to Heavy, the birth center's Instagram page no longer exists due to the overwhelming rage filled reactions from the public. However, they weren't quick enough to delete it before Jillian caught a screenshot of one of their responses. And they were really playing the victim here. Part of their statement included this. It was the patient who got up screaming as if she was being attacked. It was the patient who called the names cursed at the nurse and used unacceptable language. We do not deserve this kind of treatment and harassment that we have endured by this patient and her followers on social media. That was from the Philly Pregnancy Center's Instagram directly. This is ridiculous. This kind of treatment that people who are black and people of color face in the medical field is insane. We know that there's a history of people doing this. And this is a woman who wanted a note from the doctor. The nurse had no business giving an opinion on this matter. The doctor was the one writing the note, just a disgusting situation. Usually we see Karens out in public as pedestrians and as customers causing problems. This is someone who was kind of in a position of power in this situation as the nurse in the room treating a patient like this. So really a disgusting nurse, Karen. Rick, what are your thoughts on this? Okay, so first off, 
anybody who is a nurse should be, and there are many good nurses, but any nurse who treats someone differently and questions how they feel by snapping back at them in this way should never be tolerated. Now, this was captured on camera, right? I don't know how many other people have experienced this person that they haven't captured on camera and have not broadcasted to the masses these things. One other thing that really bothers me is people were told in the last few years that there is a difference in the medical industry. There is a difference with how patients are dealt with or the services that they are provided or even even the compassion that they are provided based on their race. And ABC News had a great write up about this, but basically depending on your ethnic background, you are treated differently. Um, so I don't know what's gonna come of you know, this place, uh, specifically in Philadelphia and with this nurse. Um, but what I would be curious to know, even though I feel like I already know the answer, is how she deals with people based on what they look like. And if that is a continued pattern, then she probably should not be in the medical field anymore. It's amazing how with social media, we're in a new era of like public accountability when stuff like this happens, where maybe if the police did show up, it would result in the person who was black in the situation not being treated well, right? This is stereotypical white woman calls the cops on someone who is black in public. And it usually doesn't go well for the person who is black. But what we have here is people weighing in. Her followers see the video on social media. I've posted videos where there are are racial tensions between a police officer pulling over a truck driver and then I get DMs from other truck drivers in the area. That's like I think the same cop pulled me over. And so it's crazy how people can find each other and hold people more accountable with social media now. But the racial tensions here are very clear. Like as Rick was saying, you are treated differently in the medical field based on your race. There's you know decades old research that shows there was a perception that Black people have a higher pain tolerance and are prescribed less pain medication when they're in the hospital. Also, the founding of the field of gynecology started with experimentation on enslaved black people in the United States. And that's probably why, you know, she says she had a really uncomfortable cervical exam. A lot of the tools used in the field of gynecology, let me tell you, they're not comfortable. They are not made for the patient to be comfortable. They're almost medieval looking, these long metal prods. And so a lot of those historical, you know, problems with the field are still not correct today. And this is just evidence of this, right? This isn't the doctor, but this is the nurse. And it's really bringing to light a lot of the issues that I think black women face every day. And Rick's right that not all of it's recorded. A lot of people don't want to put their business online, but it's good that she did because now there's some sense of accountability here where I'm sure otherwise if it wasn't on video, there wouldn't be any. And also, you know, to put a bow on this, her blank the nurse, her blanket statement of when the patient says, how do you know how my bones feel? How do you know how my, or she's, well, I, I went up there and I, no, you didn't, no, you didn't. You're, you're putting that sort of like 
idiotic blanket statement that because you went up there for you know a short period of time with everything that I've seen, it was not done well. Um, it's preposterous. It's preposterous to say that she knows everything by going up one time and that's it. Okay, we're done here. No, we're we're not. But this is just another example of again countless examples, and the research has shown that. Depending on what you look like, you are dealt differently by the medical community. Not everybody in the medical community, but research has shown a lot of the time. And seven months pregnant, the last thing she needed was a stressful situation. She went there for care, she was in pain, and she ends up dealing with this. That's not good for someone who's pregnant. Now, Vladimir Putin is saying we want Tucker Carlson to run all day on all of our state controlled and heavily influenced state controlled media. Where's this coming from? Probably when Tucker Carlson did actually praise Vladimir Putin. Here it is. It'd be worth asking yourself since it is getting pretty serious. What is this really about? Why do I hate Putin so much? Has Putin ever called me a racist? Has he threatened to get me fired for disagreeing with him? Has he shipped every middle class job in my town to Russia? Did he manufacture a worldwide pandemic that wrecked my business and kept me indoors for two years? Is he teaching my children to embrace racial discrimination? Is he making fentanyl? Is he trying to snuff out Christianity? Does he eat dogs? These are fair questions and the answer to all of them is no. Vladimir Putin didn't do any of that. So according to a leaked document, Russia now wants um, that guy, Tucker Carlson, to be everywhere. Mother Jones leaked this. According to the Kremlin, this is essential. Tucker Carlson is now essential to Russian propaganda in Russia. I kid you not. On March 3rd, a Russian military force bombed Ukrainian cities as part of Vladimir Putin's illegal invasion of his neighbor. The Kremlin sent out talking points to state friendly media outlets with the request, use more Tucker Carlson. Well, damn, it's a 12 page document entitled for media and commentators recommended coverage. It is essential to use as much as possible fragments of broadcast of the popular Fox News host, Tucker Carlson, who sharply criticizes the actions of the United States and NATO, their negative role in unleashing the conflict in Ukraine, and the defiantly provocative behavior from the leadership of the Western countries and NATO towards the Russian Federation and toward President Putin personally. That's from the leaked memo inside of Russia. It sums up Carlson's position. Russia is only protecting its interest, this is what he said, is only protecting its interest and security. The memo includes a quote from Carlson, and how would the US behave if such a situation developed in neighboring Mexico or Canada? He's drawing false comparisons here, trying to create conclusions that do not fit the narrative. No other Western journalist is referenced in the memo, only. Tucker Carlson. The document was produced according 
to its metadata at a Russian government agency called the Department of Information and Telecommunication Support, which is part of the Russian security apparatus. According to Mother Jones, anonymous source, memos like this have been common practice by Putin's administration during the war. Carlson repeatedly noted there was no reason for the United States to assist Ukraine in its battle with Russia and insisted it was not treason. It is not un-American to support Putin. He contended that Ukraine was not a democracy, but a client state of the United States government. False narrative again. After Putin invaded Ukraine, Carlson shifted to a new line. That the United States and the West actually goaded Putin into war and provided no explanation as to why that would benefit the US. One thing while I'm on your show, as long as Putin now is not exactly a fan of our country. Let him explain where did, because Chris Wallace wouldn't let me ask the question. Why did the mayor of Moscow's wife give the Bidens, both of them, three and a half million dollars? That's a lot of money. She gave him three and a half million dollars. So now I would think Putin would know the answer to that. I think he should release it. I think we should know that answer. Yeah, you heard it. He's coordinating with an actual enemy of America, an actual enemy of democracy. This is a man fiending for power. That is what you see on display. He feels lost without it. You know why he feels lost without it? Because he's empty. He bears no value system. There's nothing internally that connects him to the greater world around him other than his power and wealth. And here's one thing about power. It's not quenchable. People that seek power will never get enough and say, now I can quit. Now I've arrived. It is not quenchable whatsoever. This isn't the first time Trump has required or requested information on political enemies. Remember this 2016 campaign, here it is. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. I think you will probably be rewarded mightily by our press. But they call him a patriot, America first. Damn, America first looks a whole lot like Russia before America, Russia before democracy, Russia before common sense. And Putin is not the only global leader that Trump has requested to find info on Hunter Biden, remember that. Back in 2020, then President Trump called Ukraine President Zelensky about Hunter, said and I quote, there's a lot of talk about Biden's son. That Biden stopped the prosecution and a lot of people wanna find out about that. So whatever you can do with the Attorney General would be great. Trump said in the July 25th call, according to the memo, Biden went around bragging that he stopped the prosecution. So if you look into it, it sounds horrible to me. All of those were lies, by the way. Biden actually stands by the State Department's decision to get rid of a corrupt leader that was corrupt. All right, and he said, damn it, I told them 
you keep these corrupt people in power, the State Department will no longer have this diplomatic relationship with you and we will stop funding initiatives in your country. Boom, he said it, he said it on the record, all right, no issue there. Um, once again, ladies and gentlemen, the price of democracy is what, okay? Uh, Trump also reached out to Julian Assange about covering up uh, for Russia, here it is. President Donald Trump offered a pardon through an intermediary to Julian Assange. If the WikiLeaks chief agreed to say that Russia was not involved in hacking emails from Democrats during the 2016 presidential election. A lawyer for Assange said that in a London court. How in the hell is Trump not locked up? Monday. It's a big day. It's unbossed with Senator Nina Turner. Hello, somebody. I will be joining Nina every Monday, the first Monday for the first episode. Big deal. It's going to be Jank and Nina. But after that, you can expect to see me and Nina every single day after Mondays. So that's going to be 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on TYT Live. Subscribe now so that you're in the loop at youtube.com slash unbossed TYT. Nina's plan is to expose elites in government and their corruption and talk about what we do about it. She's really picking stories that matter to everyday working people, giving good political commentary and education and really giving solutions that matter to people. She's covering news that a lot of people ignore. So get excited for Unbossed, I know I am. All right, let's get into this craziness. Let's talk about this next story. So last month, an Ohio Board of Education member, or sorry, an Ohio School Board member took great offense to a bunch of students who wanted to celebrate and share their culture with others. And she was so offended by this that she decided to make them recite what they love about America. Let's watch this video. Hello everyone, I'm from Uzbekistan. In Uzbekistan, there were a lot of significant philosophers Philosophers. Thank you for teaching us um, um, about some of your heritage. And since we all live in the United States of America, what is something that you each like about living in the United States of America? We also saw an example of DEI this evening when we come from amazing backgrounds and differences, but we are all in the United States of America and one nation under God. And we should focus on what brings us together, not what divides us. So despite her truly offensive moment, one school board member decided to defend diversity. Let's watch. The one point that I would like to make is that I am proud of the students and the champions that spoke today. And I don't understand why they have to be mutually exclusive. I don't understand why we think if we are highlighting other cultures, why we still can't love America. I don't understand the thought process that they're mutually exclusive. We can still be proud to be Americans and to love this country and be proud of the fact that 57 other countries came here because of who we are and what we have to offer. America's the great melting pot. That's what makes us great, right? That's what makes us a unique country. Not according to Mrs. Darby Body. Let's put her picture up here. 
What she a looks name. like she's gonna sell me a luxury apartment and make a sales pitch like a real estate agent here on her campaign site. She states that she is committed to ending the promotion of racist ideologies to our students and faculty. And she outlined precisely what those racist ideologies include. She said critical race theory, Black Lives Matter, the 1619 Project all push the virtues of racism. Racism is their instrument of choice to right what they perceive as wrongs in society. They are pushing it on our students, faculty, and it is poison. The way the terms inclusion, diversity, equity, and tolerance are used in social media and in our schools is dividing our children into groups of oppressed and oppressors. I'm sure just just saying it is what's doing the dividing there. Our children are being taught that the color of their skin is the first determination to their character. This ideology, these programs, these teachings are turning our children against each other. Now, Body is also committed to an honest teaching of American history and committed to the honest teaching of the sexes in our classrooms and will stand up to the political pressures that are successfully dictating otherwise. Since joining the board, Body has been at the center of other scandalous moments. In July, parents in the district accused Darby Body of lying when she said she did not take photos of students when she violated policy and entered two schools unannounced. The security video showed Body walking down a hallway inside Lakota East High School carrying a phone in her hand. And I don't know about you. But that foot placement tells me she was not of clear mind. At one point, she passed a then 15 year old student walking in the opposite direction. She then turned toward the female student and it appears she took a photo. Originally, the incident took place in May. District leaders said Body ignored safety procedures when she entered both Lakota East and Liberty Early Childhood School unannounced. They even had police issue her a no trespassing order. Through a public request, WLWT obtained some of the photos she took, which include a civil rights timeline, artwork of rainbows, and children's drawings that say all are welcome. A photo of the teen was not included in their request. Body claimed the reason she was at the school is to see what students were being taught. Very clear what her motivations were in going to these two schools. So more from back in April. Body said she was not going to apologize after posting a typo on Facebook on a Facebook post that led to a website containing pornographic content. <laughs> Body's original post accused the district of teaching inappropriate sexual content in its curriculum, which the district said it was untrue. I'm not sure a typo can lead to that kind of mistake and a change in the link there. So what happened was the board held an emergency meeting Wednesday afternoon at which it voted to censure Body and requested her resignation. Body walked out in the middle of the meeting with her young daughter saying, I will not be a part of this political ruse. All right, more recently and hilariously enough. There's more? There's, there's more, Rick, we've got more, there's a lot here. What a colorful individual. All right, the school board, which oversees one of the largest districts in the tri-state. Lakota local schools voted four to one Monday to stop the public comment portion of its meetings. So we're accountable to the public, but we won't hear from them, got it. Amid an ongoing controversy involving its superintendent, school board member Darby Body was the lone vote against it. 
telling her colleagues muzzling our community is a bad idea. It will not go well for you. Interesting, I'm not sure she would like it if she was the one being held accountable for her actions in that meeting. That's how these people's minds work. Anyway, the decision comes at a time when lawsuits involving public records or public speaking at board meetings related to the superintendent. So maybe Body will be at the receiving end of one of those lawsuits soon. Rick, should this person be in charge of our children? No, God, <laughs> no. are you kidding me? Um, I remember doing a story about uh, the state of Washington and how the Proud Boys and there were all these extremist groups that were trying to get their candidates onto school board so they could control what is being taught. The commonality is obviously there are many, but one is bodies way of practicing good educational teachings is by her herself being the teacher. Because according to local media, she homeschools her kids. Which doesn't really add up because when you're thinking about what should go into the public school curriculum, when you don't even like, it's like that mean girls thing, like she doesn't even go here. like. She, She's giving a say, she has a say and is an important vote on a school board in which her kids are homeschooled. Odd, it's just so incredibly odd. But here's the other thing, they talk about though they're teaching your kids bad things in schools and you got you got to watch out for those those teachers, those teachers are the problem. Meanwhile, this woman is going in the hallways unannounced, apparently didn't sign in and is taking pictures of people that are kids that are under 18. And the reason she's doing it is because according to her, a teen was dressed inappropriately. Like F off, <laughs> this is so this is so weird and it's so disgusting. And then on top of this, which should not surprise anybody, the way that she got to her seat, which is also troubling and revealing is she was against masking in schools, she was against vaccines, and she was against, of course, as Herschel Walker puts it, CRT. That's how he said it, it's CTR, no, I screwed that up. It's critical race theory, that's, that's what she's against. So those are the main pillars of like Republicanism and conservatism is, what can I do that has gone mainstream and then echoed those things to even land something like a school board seat? It's weird and it's off and yet somehow it's a winning strategy. Yeah, insane that these people, the problem is the education they got a lot of the times, right? Growing up in the South, growing up in the Midwest where they didn't have an accurate teaching of US history, especially when it comes to race. So they believe critical race theory, which is an accurate teaching of structures of racial oppression in our country. They believe that that is the false thing. And moreover, to say that the people pushing teachings about race in our country are winning, because we're not. It's not a part of the curriculum to teach people to think critically about race right now. We're not winning, and this idea 
that talking about oppression will result in division and not the oppression itself. We are never going to correct the problems of economic inequality in our country, the problems of people growing up with racist ideologies in our country, unless we talk about these things and teach children from a very young age that we have problems in our society that we need to correct. Children are able to learn about these things. These are teenagers, right? She's in high schools. These children are at the age or these teenagers rather and young adults are at the age where they can process this information. And they should because they're going to grow up to be members in these communities. And if they're not aware of the extent of racial tensions and they, they never learn it because their households discourage the teaching of it. We're never going to be able to improve our country. If you love America, teach people critical race theory, it's that simple. So I remember doing a story with Doc and Jordan will probably, producer Jordan will probably remember this as well. This was some time ago and I had to go back and look. There was a teacher in Florida that we covered who was forced to resign because he had pictures up of like Barack Obama. And the school district was like, whoa, 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 that, that's age inappropriate. You shouldn't be teaching that. And look, he, he he taught for decades, you know, like he was probably at the tail end. But that was the final straw was historic black Americans forced his resignation because clearly there is an overstepping that is going on here. And even though it's in Florida, which we know is run by Satan, um, this is also going to other parts of the country clearly and it's happening before our very eyes. So just it, it reminded me of that and it's only going to continue unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. I hear a lot of folks, uh, usually it's you know the white liberal elite type uh, who are like, we need to learn this history so that we don't repeat it. Which almost feels like a lot of folks are speaking from a place as this is in the past. When in reality, we need things like reparations because the country is still divided. How are you going to explain to your children why neighborhoods are still racially segregated? What do you expect to tell them? I mean, let's get really honest. They need to know that history because we are still not done correcting. All of the economic inequality as a result of slavery, we still have people who own plantations and obtained large amounts of wealth that still are wealthy. They never had to redistribute that money that they made off of slave labor. And still the era of Jim Crow, the Tulsa massacre, the race riots, all of this history needs to be taught because we still live in a racially divided country in a place where people of different races are oppressed. Like it's it needs to be taught because it's it's live. It's happening right now. And also very quickly, if people do remember Tom Hanks, famed actor Tom Hanks was doing an interview and he was told about the Tulsa race massacre. And his answer was, what was the Tulsa race massacre? That is a failure in the United States education system. This is a famed actor who has done so much reading of history to play certain roles. And even he doesn't know from what he was taught. It's astonishing. Yeah, that's why it needs to be taught in schools because people aren't gonna get it outside of the schools. Uh, yeah, and we can't really blame people oftentimes for their ignorance because they're the product of our public education system. You know, all we can do is, is educate and hope that they make good decisions from there on out.
this is crazy what went down here. So the details, a judge in upstate New York pulled a handgun on a defendant. He later bragged about it by describing how he had once pointed a firearm at quote, a large black man inside the courthouse. This was Judge Robert Putorti. He admitted that he pulled the gun on Brandon Wood, who he repeatedly described quote, as a large black man, who he said was six foot nine inches tall and built like a football player. But the defendant in question, Mr. Wood, was only six feet tall and 165 pounds. The judge admitted that he did not feel his life was in danger when he pulled the weapon on Wood. And he also regularly kept a gun with him under his bench. Putorti, who is not an attorney, began his term in 2014 in Washington County, New York, which is about 50 miles north of Albany, New York, and is 94% white with just 3% of the county black. Putorti is set to be removed from office. The state's Judicial Conduct Commission ruled on September 22nd that Putorti should be removed from office due to the incident which occurred in early 2015. However, the incident was not investigated until recently. Putorti bragged about the incident to colleagues in 2018 at a judges conference, which is what promoted the investigation. The acting chief judge of the Court of Appeals has until October 9th to accept the commission's recommendation to remove Putorti from office, issue another form of reprimand or deny the commission's recommendation for Putorti's removal of office. His term ends December 31st, 2025. So Putorti's attorneys, they're calling for censure rather than removal. This guy is not fit to be a judge. He has bad judgment, that's pretty clear. Rick? Jessica? <laughs> okay, um, let, let, me, let me just say this really quickly. I've been doing broadcasting for a while and you know, even when I was doing high school basketball and high school football, they would lie on the program. Right, where they'd be like, John Smith is six foot four and 220 pounds. And really, they were like six foot two and like 180. So to go from like six eight to six feet, Jesus Christ. Um, so bad. Uh, and then, you know, they say, uh, you know, justice and it should be blind. I, I agree, um, but it rarely is. And this is another example of plenty of what we have been told by many people in many instances. This could be any circumstance whatsoever. It could be looking at someone the wrong way, or it could be, well, I felt threatened, so I did this from a cop, which we'll get into momentarily. I am amazed that this, because it shouldn't be like this, obviously. But the system is set up this way. I'm amazed this happened so many years ago and we're just learning about it now. And they're just investigating it recently. Am I surprised that his lawyers want just to censure? No, because they're gonna try and take whatever low hanging fruit they can. That's what lawyers are supposed to do to argue on behalf of their client. Now, what should happen? Oh, he should. Not only not be a judge, but there should be a trial against him. The problem is he was granted permission to carry a while ago. I believe it was like 2003. 
You can correct me if I'm wrong. So he was allowed to do this, which also goes into the crazy gun nut culture that we have in this country, where a judge thinks it's okay in his chamber, in his courtroom, I'll say. Well, probably his chamber too, but in his courtroom, where he thinks that he should have a firearm on him at all times. And some of the local media even went about to describe where it's placed, how when he gets up, how he can grab it really quickly. This is one of two instances that this guy has had. Another point, very quickly, I know I'm rambling here, but very quickly another point is he gloated about this. And I truly wonder what else has he gloated about? What else has he said when he feels more comfortable? Like, oh yeah, I put away this dude because he didn't look a certain way. Like there is clearly some sort of bias here. And also how he completely misrepresents his own case by giving faulty characteristics with the height and what have you of the person that he pulled a gun on. So um, if I were to have a uh, GIF available, it would be the shame GIF from Game of Thrones because this guy is. Uh, Fill in the blank, go ahead. Yeah, this is our justice system in America. And I wanna make the point, I've lived in upstate New York. A lot of people have this idea, Oh, New York's such a liberal state. Not oh, outside yeah. of the cities, man, really not outside of the cities. This is what it's like. I mean, you hear the racial divide there. It's, it's so overwhelmingly white that you can imagine. He probably has never pulled his gun on a white defendant. 3% black and he's pulled a gun on one of the black defendants. That's the thing nice. about, we we recently had this Supreme Court case, which ruled in favor of the laws in New York, allowing people to carry guns more freely. Formerly, you had to get a permit in order to be carrying a gun. You had to have a reason to need to have it on your person and you had to have a permit. Uh, there are some restrictions there, of course. Now they're saying, you know, this really isn't fair. This is violating, you know, our Second Amendment rights. And I think about who needs to carry a gun. There are these people who have power, who are on the offensive. They want to protect power. Oftentimes, they want to protect white supremacy. And a lot of people want to have guns because they're frequently put in a position where they have to be on the defensive. Whether they are women who want to just go about society alone and they're concerned for their safety, they're black. Or because you know they're poor or a target for other political reasons. Maybe they stand up against white supremacy. When I was living out in Iowa, there are a lot of people who are not happy that Confederate flags were flying around. Iowa fought with the Union. So culturally, they identified with the Confederates. That is why they were flying the flag. These are native Iowans flying Confederate flags. And I had a friend who, who really didn't like that. And he would go around talking to people about taking them down. And he started getting threats. Like some people have guns in our society in a response to people who have guns, like this judge who is in a position of power and using his power for wrong. And we're just at the point where we're seeing the tremendous proliferation of arms across the country. And oftentimes it's a response and it is about safety. Amen. Yeah. All right, we've got to go to a break. We'll be back after this. We're back on Indisputable, let's get into this. A Massachusetts cop, so a cop in Massachusetts was a part of planning the Charlottesville Nazi rally, allegedly. 
Patrolman John Donnelly of the Woburn Police Department, which is near the city of Boston, was outed as an organizer for the Unite the Right rally that happened in Charlottesville. You've all heard of this. The 33-year-old worked for the department from 2015 until this week when news surfaced that he was a rally organizer and a participant in several white supremacist groups, not just one. HuffPost reported Donnelly acted as a bodyguard for the white nationalist leader Richard Spencer and was a member of Identity Evropa, a white nationalist group. Here's a photo with you know Donnelly and Richard Spencer. Mayor Scott Galvin and Chief Robert Rufo here, both the chief and the mayor, together released a statement announcing Donnelly had been put on administrative leave pending an investigation. The mayor said, I will move to terminate Officer Donnelly if the investigation concludes that the allegations are accurate. And you can see in that photo, I mean, that's the guy. There's a background of white supremacists infiltrating law enforcement. We know that this is a bit of a trend in our country. Michael German, a former FBI special agent who has written extensively on the ways that US law enforcement has failed to respond to far right domestic terror threats, concludes that US law enforcement officials have been tied to racist militant activities in more than a dozen states since 2000. And hundreds of police officers have been caught posting racist and bigoted social media content. Here in LA, we have this problem where the LAPD, the leaders of this police department have brought in hundreds of people from the American South so that they can implement their policing tactics. This is a problem all across the country. Rick, what are your thoughts on this? So to piggyback off that, there is a sheriff that is up for reelection whose name is Alex Villanueva. And activists have made this story very well known and it got picked up by um, large followings as well online that there are gangs within the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department. Now they have denied it, but there have been whistleblowers that have gone on the record. There have been court cases as well. So this is a thing. Now to go back to you know this schmuck at Unite the Right. Is this surprising to anybody? Like seriously, I'm I'm not trying to I'm not trying to be like an ass here, but like, is this surprising to literally anybody considering what we have learned about law enforcement, who they recruit, and as Jessica said, the infiltration of white supremacists over the years. I remember reading an intercept article in like 2013 to 2015 era, maybe 2016, the latest, about how this is a structural problem. That they are experiencing, but also they want more officers, they want more money, they want to keep doing this, they want to keep policing in the ways that they deem fit, which is obviously wrong. So here, here's what I will say, right? And I, we were talking about backgrounds, right? I'm gonna move this over. See this right, wait, see this right here. Mm-hmm. Has anybody heard killing in the name of? Yeah, of if course. You, if you don't know about killing in the name of, first off, where have you been? Secondly. Um, and Google the lyrics, but like the chorus speaks volumes because they saw it a long time ago. We have seen it. And unfortunately, there are stories that keep getting uncovered from state to state and county to county because it's prevalent. There needs to be some form of oversight here. And correct me if I'm wrong, but also, 
Didn't Republicans vote against white supremacists being able to join the United States military, all of them? So this is a problem from not just precincts, but also the military industrial complex. Yep, in conclusion, those that work forces are the same that burn crosses all too often in America. Prince George's County, Maryland, a restaurant remained open while there was a dead body inside the bathroom for hours. Police received a call around 6.30 PM on Wednesday for a woman found unconscious inside this Largo, Maryland Jasper's restaurant. Medics who responded to the scene said the patron most likely died of a heart attack. According to the police report, the women's bathroom was closed off to customers. However, the men's bathroom remained open for everybody else to use. Jasper's was full, the report said, and tables were being seated while the woman laid lifeless in the restroom. Miguel Perea, one of the managers at Jasper's, told Fox 5 DC the restaurant was protecting the family's privacy. Perea said at the moment, we thought we were doing the right thing and we realized maybe we were wrong. The owner, Fred Rosenthal, said the coroner did not arrive until two hours later and the woman's body was eventually removed from a side door of the restaurant. The management at Jasper's told Fox 5 they feel horrible about what transpired on Wednesday. They are in the process of trying to find the woman's family members to apologize and see how they can best support them at this time. Yesterday, Jasper's restaurant released a policy. They said, quote, Last night, one of our customers tragically passed away within our establishment. On behalf of our ownership, management and staff, we send the sincerest and most heartfelt support and condolences to the deceased family. We will be reaching out to the family to see if there is any way we can support them in this time of grief. The statement continued to say, quote, we immediately contact County authorities and followed their protocol and procedure. Under the authorities guidance, we closed the area to patrons until all emergency services could arrive and followed the direction of the authorities. All right, so they wanted to keep serving lunch or I guess it was dinner 6.30 PM. People are eating. Well, there is a woman who has died likely of a heart attack in the bathroom and it goes to show that they really didn't want people to know about this because they were using the side door. They're like, don't worry about the dead body, just carry on, keep enjoying your meal. Rick, would you be okay with eating in this kind of a situation? No. <laughs> what? I wouldn't. You know, Jessica, what I like about you is you you ask the hard hitting questions. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm I'm kidding. Like <laughs> no, like obviously not. Of course yeah. not. No, 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 no. What I find uh, rather interesting, and I, I, it's public, so I'm gonna say it. Uh, the uh, owner's name here is Fred Rosenthal. Fred, what are you doing, man? Fred, you you really think if someone tragically passes away from what police is saying is cardiac arrest. You really think it's appropriate to just being like order for table five? Like, come on, man, really? That's how we're gonna do this? How I see it, they didn't wanna lose the money. That's how I saw it. They were in a panic and they didn't wanna lose the money. So they kept everyone there and you know made it seem like everything was kumbaya when it wasn't. Um, he, his quote was, we didn't wanna create curiosity. Bro, bro, people would be curious, it would be better than this. 
It would be better than people finding out like, wait a minute, I ate like a Bobert style hamburger after someone like passed away in the bathroom. And the person who brought this to our attention and to the mainstream attention even said that there were police that were standing outside of the bathroom. Already, you gotta be suspicious. So um, fail on behalf of Jasper's mega fail. Yeah, I'm trying to find what the menu is at this restaurant. I'm I'm investigating the death actually right now. I wanted to okay. pull up the menu uh, to figure out maybe they didn't want people to think that their food could cause a heart attack. They they didn't want to lose their customers. Imagine someone dies of a heart attack in the bathroom and you're eating like I don't know like a burger, cheese fries, whatever, and you just have a reckoning and you're like, you know what? I gotta stop eating like this so I don't end up like her. You know? It is an American restaurant. When you talk about Bobert style burgers, I mean, it's a lot of mac and cheese, it's a lot of fried stuff, burgers, wings, you know, the type of stuff that if you eat it too much, doctors yep. say you're at a greater risk for a heart attack. But yeah, they definitely wanted to make money. I'm thinking of my time as a server and bartender, and when you're in the weeds, the restaurant's full. I can imagine just in passing, like two waitresses or a waiter and a waitress just passing each other and like, oh, gee, a woman died in the bathroom. It's like, oh no, yeah. Can you bring silverware to table five? Like when you're in the weeds, you're in the weeds. And the owner and the manager should have handled this much better. Like the staff, including them in the pol- in the apology, doesn't make much sense. They were not complicit in this. The waiters and waitresses right. have no power in this situation. Agreed. I mean, I was a table wiper at one point. I could tell you the employees have very little say. Yeah. Very, very little say. Yeah. And like to not use the front door, I get it. You don't want to bring a woman's body through people, but like emergency services arriving at the scene when someone's unconscious in the bathroom, they should get in the fastest way possible. I just have a feeling being on the phone and being like, hey, by the way, could you use the side door? It's just like, we got a business to run here. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it's this, the details of this don't seem so good for the restaurant owners. Um, I can also tell you that when I, uh, took pizza orders over the phone and was also a pizza boxer in the kitchen. Um, I could tell you that there was like that back door that went to the parking lot. So like there, you know, there is potential there is what I'm saying. Um, But like business practices, this is an example of what not to do if unfortunately tragedy strikes your establishment. This, this is, Idiotic. Like I, I, I would be hard pressed to ever go back there again if I was there on that day. Is so you're not wiping tables and doing pizza stuff anymore. But people might be interested in your other work. Can you tell the people where to find it, Rick? I suppose um, you could find me at uh, YouTube.com/slash/tytsports, tytsports on Facebook, um, Twitch every Monday after the main show. Uh, it's Big Rick Energy. And that's about it. So like, you know, if you want to watch, go ahead and watch. And if you don't, you don't, it's fine. Thank you so much, Rick. This has been fun. I think the people are gonna watch TYT Sports app. Yeah, we'll see. All right, I will (laughs) see the rest of you on the power panel tonight. And right now after this, tune into Twitch for Galaxy Brain. Thanks for being here with us. We'll see you next time.